0: Well, that will make sense in a little while, okay, while we're referring to that, but uh, I do, as Jonathan said, I do want to thank you for being here this morning. Uh, If any of you just want to lay down and hear the sermon, there's plenty of seating over here that will allow for that. No, Thank you so much for making the extra attempt to be here. Uh, I do want to thank our worship team and praise team here this morning. You'd think you lost an hour of sleep. They really lost an hour of sleep. So let's give them a round of applause. They did a great job this morning. We appreciate them so much and their ministry. Uh, I will say this, getting back to laying down, um, I remember in seminary, uh, we could go to Charlotte to take classes. Of course, the seminary is like another two and a half hours down the road. So it was always easy to take classes in Charlotte. And one cl- Every Monday, we would go, and the first class would last eight hours. Can you imagine that? Sitting there for eight hours, taking it all in. And I remember me and my buddy, we would sit on the back row and made fun of the nerds on the front row. And, um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, we did do that. But anyway, um, he and I would switch off because eight hours is hard to sit there and listen, okay? I don't care how good a professor you are. And so there was a room beside the room we met in that always stayed dark. And so he would take an hour and go in there and lay down, where he could listen, and I'd take the notes. And then I would exchange places with him. And so that's how we got through it. So if you need to, there's plenty of seating back there in the back. Okay? All right, let's move on. Enough about me. But... um, (laughs) We're continuing the series Kingdom Culture, and if you look at your outline, go ahead and pull that out. It should have been enough for everybody here today. Um, (laughs) Series introduction. Because we are a collection of many people from various places, backgrounds, and stories, we believe culture-making is essential for unifying our church family around the shared vision as we carry the message of Jesus to the world. We exist to love God, connect with others, and reach the world by creating a culture where... I'm going to give the number, and I want you to say it with me, okay, after I give the number. Number one, Jesus is our lead story. Number two, scripture and prayer are prime. Number three, worship is a lifestyle. And number four, we are family. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Continue to look on your outline. We want to be organized for maximum impact, yet our church is more than just an organization you join. It is a family to which you belong. It's not about a building you go to, but a a people you connect with. The emphasis is not on church membership, yet we see that as important, but the emphasis is on relationship. We don't pay membership dues and then expect a certain return. Instead, we give to our family and are rooted together in Christ as we do life together, belonging, partnering, sharing, and loving as Christ. We have many ministries, but one local body. So no ministry seeks to elevate itself over another. Instead, we use our gifts to build one another up and reach out to others for the glory of his name. And that's the whole idea that we are family. Now, as we move in that direction this morning, I want to simply tell you a little bit about this sermon. There's two ways you're going to take this sermon this morning. You're going to be affirmed, what you already are doing, okay? And you're going to say, I feel good. I even feel better about what I do. Or you're going to be challenged to the point that you know you need to step up. And that's what I'm hoping God will use this sermon to do. Now, you may feel that you are self-sufficient. I think there's a lot of people out there to do. I think men probably struggle with that that more than women do at times. But you may feel that you're self-sufficient or that you do not need others in your life. But the truth is you absolutely must have others in your life if you're going to be all that God desires you to be. Belonging to a local church where truth is taught and you can be equipped and grow in the faith is God's plan for his children. Now, I want you to look at the verse here on the screen. 1 Timothy. Paul wrote to Timothy, and here's what he said. He said, These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church. Now, get, to, get this picture. It's the church of the living God and the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, I want you to think about what that means. It means this, if you're a part of a local body, if you're a part of a local church, it's interesting to note that you are a part of the plan of the living God. And it is here that the truth should come forth. So when we go out into the world, when we go to our places of employment, when we go to school, wherever we find ourselves, we know that the truth that God holds for us to have and to live our lives by, listen, we, we count on our church promoting that truth. And we come here for that, for that, uh, uh, for that truth. So Paul's assumption was that believers listen were to belong to a local church, meaning that the church is not a building, it's a body, it's not an institution, it's a gathering of believers, it's not a country club, it's a church family. Now I want you to turn to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, the last verses of Acts chapter two shows us the different levels in which we can belong to a local church. Now, as you turn, listen to this. Many people say, well, I guess I'm going to go to church tomorrow. As if the church is a place to go. This is not correct. The church is not a place you go to. Listen to me. It's a place that you belong to. And there is a big difference in the two. I mean, I go to Pizza Hut, I go to Yamato's, I go to get gas at the service station, I, I I do all those things. I don't hope to belong to those things, but when I come to the church, it should be a place that I'm not only here truth, but it should be a place in which I know that I belong to. Now think of this: you are not meant to go through life on your own. God places people in your life. God places a church. In your life. And so here, think about this. God places people in my life. Now, how many of you can think right now of people that you have no doubt that God placed in your life? You have no doubt God placed them in your life. Okay, that's good. That's the way your life should take shape. But how many of you have carried a step further and thought, God placed me in the church to belong, a certain church? Now, let me say this, and we've got to be careful with this. There's a lot of language out there as to what church is. There's two ways to look at church there's the universal church, where all believers make up the universal church. They've come to Christ on the terms God set forth. So there is that sense that we're a part of the universal church. But the church has a secondary meaning or a second way of looking at it, and it's the whole idea of the local church. Now, here's what you need to understand about the local church. All through Scripture, especially the epistles, are dealing with local church bodies. It's not dealing with universal church, even though these scriptures have made it way, it's made its way to us two thousand years later. That's great and everything, but its original intent was to go to to specific local churches. And so therefore, it is important that we not only see the context of the church as a church universal, the church that Jesus is coming back for, that we'll go to be with him with, but second of all, that we are to serve in a local church. So many people say, and I've challenged them on this. They'll say, well, I don't think I need to belong to a church. I'm, I'm a part of the universal church. Well, bless your heart. That's great. But you're missing it. You're missing it. God's called us to be part of a local church, to serve in that body. So let's look at what that means. There's four levels, of becoming, four levels of becoming part of the family. At least this is the way we see it here at Putnam. So level one is membership, choosing to belong, choosing to belong. Look at Acts chapter 2, look at verse 40. It says, and with many other words, he, now let me give you, give you the context here. This is Peter. Now here's what's interesting. This is what we believe may be his first sermon First sermon, Peter, uh, uh, Acts chapter 2. He's been preaching, he's been going at it, he's been sharing Jesus. And all of a sudden, he comes to verse 40, he says, And with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Now, here's what Peter is offering them. He is basically saying, I want to, I want, here's what I'm desiring through this message that your lives will be transformed or transferred out of this perverse generation. And in to the church of God. into the church of God. So so look at what it says next. And those who gladly received his word, that means they took it in, it became part of themselves, it indwelt them, they were baptized. Okay, they identified. What were they identifying with? I'm going to prove to you in just a little while, they were identifying not only with Christ, they were identifying with the church. And so it says this. Then they were baptized, and that day... About 3,000 souls were added to them. Now, being a pastor, being someone who likes to teach and stand up in front of people, Peter did a pretty good job with his first sermon. How many were added? 3,000. Can you imagine going out there and never preached before daily in your life? and that's, There's no reason why we think that this is not his first sermon. All of a sudden, you get up there and you start teaching about Jesus. And all of a sudden, 3,000 people come to the altar and want to be saved. Pretty good showing, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And that's what you see. And so what were they added to? Think about it. And they were added to them. They were being added to the church. To the church. Now, let me tell you something that's going on here. What you see with these 3,000 people is literally the birthing of the church. The birthing of the church. Now, what's going to happen in that setting with those 3,000 people? Well, first of all, you need to understand there's going to be another 5,000 added to that number. Now, this is all going on in Jerusalem. Now, here's what's interesting about this whole idea. What's happening in Jerusalem is a big part of, or some, some of these people are going to make up the local church that will be in Jerusalem. Guess who, the first, who their pastor is going to be? James, the half-brother of Jesus. Isn't that pretty cool? That the first Baptist church of Jerusalem that James is going to be? <laughs> I mean, no, i just messing with but, but that's pretty cool to think about, okay? And so there you're going to have that. But guess what? There's going to be, we do know that the reason so many people were gathered there was because of one of the festivals. And that was all coming together. And they had come for the Passover and all the great things were happening. But guess what? They were eventually going to make their way home. And guess what would probably start springing up in these places? Hopefully, at least house churches would start. And all of a sudden you see the birthing, what I see is the birthing of the church. And then from these verses we understand this, that the Christian life, listen, is not just a matter of believing, but a matter of belonging, belonging. A lot of people out there, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of you believe the right things. I've talked to a lot of you, but do you belong to the right things? That's the key, and that's a big deal. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, again, Paul is addressing a local church. He says, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. Who are the saints? God's people and members of the household of God. God wants you, listen, to identify, to make the choice to be part of his family. Occasionally, I'll hear someone say this. Well, I'm a Christian, but, but I don't want to belong to any kind of church. A bunch of hypocrites, the best I can tell. You ever heard anything like that? This really doesn't make sense when you think about it, at least based on the context of Scripture. It's like saying this. I want to be a, a basketball player, but I don't want to be on a team. You ever seen one guy play against a team? You ever seen anything like that? Some of you say, yeah, I watched Kentucky play. That freshman, he's... <laughs> you got to know what's going on there. But anyway, my team didn't win, by the way, this week. But anyway, God, listen to this. God, did I say, hear someone say, that's right? <laughs> I, were, I come up here to extend the word of God every Sunday. No, I want you to get this. I'm, I'm pretty upset about this. I come to extend the word every Sunday. I study. I give it all I got. And I make a stupid statement like that. And I hear someone I know for the first time because I've never heard this voice before say, That's right. Amen. Are you even saved? I knew I had to be a funny day to keep you all awake. Is there anybody laying back there yet? (laughs) Romans chapter 12. Can you imagine how this is going to play on the internet? (laughs) Okay, Romans chapter 12. Look at this. In Christ, if you know Jesus Christ, is your Lord and Savior, you've come on God's terms for salvation. Guess what? The Bible says, it paints the picture that you, listen, are in Christ. Pretty good place to be, isn't it? But not only are we in Christ, listen to this, we are members or we are member for we are many from one body and each member belongs to all the others. So all of a sudden, here's the picture. We are in Christ, but guess who else is in Christ? Those that God places in our lives. Whether you're talking about individuals or a church family, all those are being placed and guess where everybody fits? In Christ. That's the picture that we see in this verse. Now, let's keep moving on and see what this looks like. There's a symbol that we belong together. My wedding band means that I belong to someone named Tina. She's my wife. We've been married a long time. And uh, she would say longer than that. But anyway, we've been married for a long time. This wedding band is a symbol of, our, of our, the commitment of our relationship. Now, here's what's interesting about all this. It says for is here's what i want you to understand there's also a symbol for belonging to christ and belonging to the local church look at your outline baptism is the picture that we belong together in the body of christ now some of you have never thought of baptism looking like that but i can prove it to you in scripture that it is so here's what you think and this is this would be right in thinking i thought baptism is me identifying with jesus It totally is. It totally is. Baptism is the identification that you have in Jesus Christ. Okay, you're identifying with him. You're identifying with his death, burial, and resurrection. You're identifying that you've been saved out of this world and you're now in this world. But it's also identification that we belong to one another. Let me show it to you. Let me prove it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look here on the uh, the screen. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into what? One body. One body. So baptism is not only identification with Christ, it's identification with the church. Now, baptism is a public way of saying together, we died to something and now we live for something. We've come together as the body of Christ to live for something. And it's basically that whole idea of being transferred out of that perverse generation and into the body of Christ. Baptism is also a public way of saying I'm a part of a group, a group of believers. Now, look on your outline. Four levels of becoming part of the family. Level one, membership, choosing to belong. Level two, partnership, doing my part, doing my part. Now, this is the part of the sermon that will help you who are doing your part feel affirmed. Those of you who have not settled into a ministry or serving here in a local body and you want to be a part, this is intended to challenge you. Okay, so we got two things going on here. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 2, look at verse 42. And they continued, this is the church, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They were not only there for the teaching, they were there for the belonging, the fellowship, in breaking of the bread and in prayers. Then fear, in some translations say all, it means a sense of divine presence, came upon every soul. You know why that happened? Because God was working in their midst and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All of a sudden, they, as a group of people, became aware that God was up to something. He was doing something in their midst. And that's what he desires to do in our local churches. I thank God that, that, that on a regular basis, we hear of those who are coming to Christ through this ministry. And that if it's not happening right here on this campus, we hear about it in the missions that we support. And, and hear about and hear that we are making a difference in the kingdom. But it's through And God's chosen to do it through the local church. Listen, partnership is realizing that you have a contribution to make, that the family of God needs you. God created you to serve, and he brought you here. If God called you to be a part of this church, guess what? He's calling you to serve. God created you to serve. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look what it says. For we are God's fellow workers. You're God's field. You're God's building. Anybody ever worked out in a field before? I think I've shared my story. Some of you know this. I was raised in eastern North Carolina. And during the summers in my teenage years, I I cropped tobacco. You know what that means? Pick tobacco, (laughs) whatever you want to call it. And our family were tobacco farmers, and I don't endorse it, but anyway, they were. And, uh, and so we would go, and we'd get up before the sun came up. We were in the field. We were working the field. And I'm just going to tell you, that is hard work. Have you ever looked down a, a row in a field and, and, and see these little squiggly things kind of jumping up and down? You know what that is, right? That's heat. I remember the guy I worked for, he said, uh, he, said he showed it to me. He said, you see that right down there? I said, yeah, what is that? He said, "That's heat." He said, that, "That that that that." He said, "It's really the monkey." He said, "Don't let that monkey get on your back; it'll wear you down." And and, and I'll never forget that. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, but I'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> And so I would go out there from, I mean, literally before the sun would come up, I would stay out there almost into the evening. I seemed to be the last one he finally let go of. And and, and I would go as hard as I could go. But I started discovering the field, and I started looking around at all the operation of the field. And I recognized this. I wanted to be the tractor driver. I didn't want to be the one out in the field. I got tired of that. And so one afternoon, we were going back, and he was taking me to the house. And and I was sitting there. I said, what's the chances of me becoming a tractor driver? He said, son, he said, when you turn 75, that's, that's how old the tractor driver was. He said, I'll consider it. I said, okay, all right. I was only 13 years old. I was an idiot. But anyway, I thought one day I was going to be a tractor driver. All right, here we go. But anyway, the whole idea is this. There's a field. There's an operation going on. There's something that God is up to. There's a building. Things are coming together. But here's here's what it says. We, what does it say? We are fellow workers. That means we're standing shoulder to shoulder and we're doing the business of the kingdom. It means that we're taking part. It means we're partnering with what's going on and what God is doing in the midst of us. I want you to hold your place in Ephesians chapter, excuse me, hold your place in Acts chapter two, turn to Ephesians chapter four. Uh, So quickly turn there if you will. Now, as you turn, listen to this. This is so vital. God wants to make a difference. Listen, not just in your life, but through your life. Through your life. There's some of you sitting here today, and I know what you're thinking because I used to have these same thoughts. What do I really have to offer? What can I really offer the church? What can I offer God? And I think many of us have been there at some point. Listen, let me say this. How many of you, when you were a part of your family, you had chores? Remember chores? Do we call it chores? What do your parents call it now? Get your rear end in there and do this or... Is that what you call it? <laughs> no, no, but we remember chores. And, and I'll be honest with you, as much as I hated chores, there was no doubt. Listen, as much as I hated chores, there was no doubt I felt more a part of the family when I was doing the chores. I did. And you see, that's the reason a lot of people never get connected really to the church. Because they're not contributing are not contributing. They're, they're not helping out. They're not coming alongside. They're not, and all of a sudden, they're, 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 and, and you should feel uncomfortable with that. That shouldn't feel right. That's the reason I think it's important that parents teach their children how to deal with responsibility, have chores. Don't do everything for them. If it needs vacuuming, get them involved. Yeah, Tina and I, we declared by the time Jonathan Elizabeth left the house, we weren't doing nothing. I mean, we had them doing it all. I mean, we, we, Jonathan was three. We'd wheel him up to the sink. There's the dishes. He'll tell you that's the truth, but it's not. I'm, 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 I'm telling you, he was a little older than that. But anyway, not much, though, but he was a little older than that. But, but listen, being a part of the family, coming together. So let's look at this. In order to be a part, you have to find out your niche you got to find out what do you have to offer. It could come in the form of your gifting. Anybody did a spiritual gift inventory? Have you ever studied gifting? It can come a part of that. I was like, oh, here's my gift. This is where I can say I can fit in. It would be your experiences. Your experiences bring a lot to the table. But in order to be a part, you got to find your niche. you gotta, you got to go out. Where do I fit in? How do I fit? Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 11. And he himself, this is Jesus, this is in the context of Jesus. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, let me just say this about verse 11. That is not an exhaustive list of of, uh, spiritual gifts. These are primarily callings. But they're also giftings. If you want to see other gifts mentioned in scripture, you go to Romans chapter 12. You go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's list of giftings. And he's basically saying he gave them. He gave it all to the church. Why did he give it to the church? Verse 12, here it is. For the equipping of the saints, that's us. For the work of the ministry, to get, get Christ's name out there, to get it known. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. That means a mature person, a, a complete person. To the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Here's what that means. It means we are not be fooled by the world. We're not pursuing these things that really will never amount to anything. We see the, the benefits of eternity. We see that God has called us to live with eternity in view and we want to make a difference. We're not being deceived, we're not being deceived in all this. But then it says this, but speaking the truth in love. And that's what I'm trying to do here this morning. I'm trying to challenge you. I want to bring the truth to you, but I also want to do it in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head. First we talked to this. We got a body, but who's the head? It's not pastors, it's not this person. It's not deacons it's nothing like that it's Christ I didn't die for the church I haven't met I've never met a deacon that had I definitely know those pastors haven't I don't mean that funny I guess I should be anyway more respectful to them but anyway here's what I want you to understand that God wants to do something. He's going to do it through his son. But his son is the head, we are the body. Verse verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint supplies. That means everything's pulling together. We got a working body here. According, listen, to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, let me tell you, one of the key two words here is effective working. That is a big deal. I've been in this church for over 27 years, and I've seen periods where this church was effectively working, and I've seen times when it wasn't. Now, let me tell you about the church, what I see in the church. If if you take the context of what we find here in this, here's what this means. It means that churches can be so unhealthy that they're not growing. And growing is not all the time how many people are joining the church. That can be an indicator, but really the indicator is who is growing in Christ and duplicating themselves through discipleship. That's the key. That's what we've been called to do. But here's the interesting thing. There's a lot of churches that have cancer, very destructive cells in the church That's causing major problems for the church. I don't know that I've ever seen that here for 27 years, but let me tell you one thing I have seen. Kind of hesitant to share this. I think it bombed in the first service, but maybe you'll get it. You ever been backed up? Some of you young people. You mean a car? What are you talking about? If you're over 40, or any of you women ever had a baby, you've been backed up. You know what I'm talking about? Are you getting it yet? I'm talking about the body not working too effectively. Some of you, I see your face. Some of you are dealing with that today. (laughs) Some of you are like, how dare you use God's church like that? I'm not only trying to be funny to keep you awake. Anybody back there yet laying down? I just want to see who's going to take me up on it. But anyway. But here's what you need to understand. There's times where churches, where destructive sales come in. And churches can literally have cancer. But churches can just get backed up. And you know when that happens? It doesn't mean there's destructive sales around. It just means that it's not effectively working. And what would cause that? People not doing their part. People not using the gifts that's been entrusted to them... To help build and edify the body and cause growth for the glory of the head, which is Christ. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Who's calling the shots? He is. So when you join the church, that is a calling. When you join a church, there is a calling that is placed on your life to be a part of the work of that church. And God has called us all of that. Let's look at levels again. Look here. Becoming a part of the family. Level one is membership. Choosing to belong. Some people never get past that. They're just kind of here. Level two, partnership. Doing my part. But number th- level three, friendship. Learning to share. Look at verse 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as everyone had need. Now let me say this. Some people use this verse and they say, you see, the church should foster and support socialism. That's not what this verse is saying. This verse is actually talking about a need that arose in the first century. What happened was this, and this is great news, but the Passover had taken place. All of a sudden, the church has been birthed. All of a sudden, they start seeing the divine presence of God working in their midst. I mean, there were amazing things happening. And all of a sudden, you got all these outsiders from out of town. They, they're there. Thousands of them are there. I mean, we know that the first 3,000 came to Christ. Another 5,000 are, come to Christ, are getting ready to come to Christ. And all of a sudden, you've got all kinds of things happening in Jerusalem. And they're looking around, and guess what? There's a lot of needs not being met. Some people don't want to go home yet. And guess what? I believe the Holy Spirit was keeping them there to be discipled enough to send them back out. And so there's a situation arose. There was not enough housing for all these people. Some of them were running out of food. By the way, guess what? Hardee's and Burger King and McDonald's weren't on the corner. Someone had to provide for all this. Did you know when you traveled in the first century, a lot of people don't get this. You think you just kind of, you had to carry your own food. And normally you had to carry enough food to last you forever, forever you were going, especially if you didn't know anybody. Well, guess what? They started running out of not wants and desires, needs that needed to be met. And all of a sudden, all these people, something, somebody needed to take care of all these people. That's the context of this verse. So they sold their possessions. They became sacrificial in goods and divided among all in the family as anyone had need. Here's a question for you. Do you share your life with others? Are you investing in others? Do you belong to a small group where you can invest in those relationships? The key step to being plugged in in church family is getting connected in a small group. As much as I love to see your smiling face and backed up faces here this morning, <laughs> I love it. I love seeing you here. I love the extra effort you made to be here. But I'm here to tell you, you, you know what thrills my heart is when I hear about a group of believers in our church meeting in someone's home. And I'm hearing that their life is being shared and godly counsel's being given and they're working through issues in their life. They're just trying to figure it out like we all are. But it's under the context of God bringing people together. I love it when we walk through the halls here at Putnam and there's small groups that are meeting and there's good teaching and people are feeling connected. Y'all, that is vital. That's the key. If that's not happening in your life right now, based on statistics, there's a 90% chance that it, six months from now you won't be around here anymore. It's you choosing to belong, to partner. Next, things we should share in. We should share our experiences. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And, of course, ladies, this applies to all of us. But it's just bringing the context of our lives into the context, in front of the context of another person's life and their sharing that's going on. Let me let me tell you something. After I preach messages many times, not all, but many times, there's two things that people thank me for. Number 1, that I teach the word of God. I honestly try to be transparent with the word of God and share it in the way that I want it to make sense to you. I want you to fall in love with it. I want you to see I want you to be as excited about it as I am. But number 2, I occasionally get emails that say something like this. Thank you for being real. Thank you for being transparent. Thank you for just laying your life an open book right there in front of us that we, that we can find out that we're not strange and we're not weird for feeling that way or thinking that way. Guess what? That's fine for it to take place here. It should be going on in small groups. We should be sharing with one another. We should be doing life. We should be sharing our experiences. Secondly, we're not only to share our experiences but also our homes. Now, that, that word homes in the context there, I know we have small groups that meet in homes, and that's great. I think that's a perfect location for it. But let's face it. Now, I mean, there's some people can't give up that type of time. And so it happens on Sunday mornings. But here's what we need to understand. Look here. It says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. How many of you have ever done this? You agreed to do something, bring people in. Man, you felt like, man, we just need to do this. Day comes for it to happen. Why in the world I ever agreed to do something like this? (laughs) Have you ever done that? Well, the blessing was that you were going to be hospitable. You were going to open your home. You are going to make brownies. You are going to make sure there's a lot of corner pieces there because you knew the pastor loves those things. You, you were going to do this. You were going to do that. You were going to put that out there. And I mean, you was just going to say, oh man, this is going to be great. The day comes. Or the spouse says, why did you agree to do this? Now we got to clean up the house. I guess you expect me to vacuum, don't you? It was your idea. You get over there, you vacuum. All kinds of grumbling going on. That's not a picture that we find in scripture. Think about it, they shared their lives with one another. They shared it, listen. In this service, we can worship together, we can celebrate together, we can learn together. But guess what? Those of you who came in here and didn't know anyone, you'll leave here probably not knowing anyone. And then you'll say, you know, but the church, that church is not as friendly as you think it is. I went there, yeah, somebody shook my hand, but I'm sure they were sick. I can't imagine why they even came up to me. But anyway, it goes on and on and on. And here's the fact of the matter. You didn't really engage yourself to want to be a part of it you got to engage yourself. And we need to be hospitable to open ourselves to them. We are to share our problems. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are, to, we are not meant to face our problems alone. I heard this first at a wedding. I thought it was beautiful, beautiful. But listen to it. It's very scriptural. Someone has said, When you share a joy, it's doubled. When you share a problem, it's cut in half. The Bible says it this way, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We need each other. Here's the other one, level four. Four levels of becoming part of the family. Level one, membership, choosing to belong. Level two, partnership, doing my part. Level three, friendship, learning to share. Level four, kinship, loving believers as family. Look at verse 46 of Acts 2. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. These people must love to eat. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity. You know why they were able to eat? Because they, shared, they sacrificed themselves to make it available to all in verse 45. And now here it is, the gladness. They were willing to sacrifice. They were, simplicity of heart means that there was an understanding with them all. They all came together, praising God and having found favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. It wasn't just the 3,000. It's not going to be just the 5,000 that we hear over here. But every day people were coming to Christ. You know why? Because the church looked just like Jesus and they wanted it. Does the church look like Jesus today? The Bible says in Romans 12, 10, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. Preference to one another. We should never back down from the principles of God's word. How many of you agree with that? You don't back down with the principles of God's word. And we should never make our preferences a principle. You know why churches are so unhealthy? Here's here's why churches are unhealthy and dying. It's because they made preferences a principle. And all you have is all these people taking sides, kind of almost like a picture of our country right now. It's going on in churches everywhere. The Pharisees were really guilty of this. You know where you find anger most from Jesus when he walked the face of the earth? When he dealt with these kind of people. When they made the preferences, the principles. Jesus didn't really tolerate hardly any. He, he didn't. He, he struggled with that. And he let them know he struggled with it. Here's the question Are you still floating around from church to church at 10 here, 10 there? Can I just tell you this? I'm not telling you, you got to join this place but you need to join a local church. You need to be a part of the family. You need to belong. You don't only need to be instructed of the whole idea of belief and truth. You need, to be, you need to belong. You need to belong. I want to jump here. I want you to listen to this. You were put on this earth to know God and love Him. That's worship. And to know God's family and connect with Him. That's fellowship. That's fellowship. That's fellowship. So here's the application. Do you belong to something greater than yourself? You realize the church is something greater than yourself. You realize that, right? You know why it's greater than itself? It's because of the head, Jesus Christ. Do you partner with others for the advancement of God's kingdom? Do you share and love others as Christ shares and loves you? And then in conclusion, I'm going to make it as practical as I can before we quit here this morning. Here it is. If you're not a member of a church, why is that? Can I tell you how we receive members here? Look at the, look on your outline. God desires that His children belong to a local, biblically oriented church. Putnam accept, accepts members who have trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior by believing who he, he says He is, and repenting of their sins and coming by faith into a relationship with Him. We also encourage and require prospective members to attend a discover putnam class offered monthly now here's why we want to do that it gives us opportunity to to hear testimonies hear how god's worked in your life but not only that we get to introduce ourselves to you why would you want to join something you know nothing about you don't understand what's behind the scenes of what we do and with these services in small group it's to help you to understand who we are let me can i tell you the good news if you've never attended a discover putnam class guess what We're going to have a gigantic one next week. At 9.30 and 11 o'clock, you come here. You're going to be a part of Discover Putnam. Now, Gary normally does the class, but since it's going to be a larger group, I said, I'll handle this, okay? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. No, but Gary's agreed to let me teach it next week. I used to teach it, believe it or not, before I couldn't do it because of the services. I'm looking forward to be able to, to share with you. And some of you say, well, I've been here. Why have I got to hear all that again? Listen, a lot of you may not have gotten what we're really about and I'm going to share that. We're going to make it as simplistic as possible next week. So if you're saying, hey, I never can find time, you're going to have time next week. We're going to offer that. Here's another one. Perspective members are received by baptism, meaning they've trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, and then they take the next step of obedience, which is baptism. Guess what we're doing next week? Baptism. All right. If you've never been baptized... We invite you to come. We Call us this week. We, we'll, we'll line you up. We'll put as many in there as we can. If you want the jets, we'll pump the jets in there. I mean, we'll do, just do, do, be faithful to what he's called you to. Uh, also, by transfer of membership from a previous church of life like faith. Also, by statement of faith and baptism. That's how you can join this place. And we hope that God will call you, whether it's here, down the road, In the next city, wherever it is, that you become a member of God's local church. All right? Would you stand to your feet? Let's pray. Father, we just come to you right now. We thank you for your your blessings. We thank you for, Lord, just the whole idea that we have the privilege to be a part of a local body. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for all those who've made investments in my life and the life of my family. And Lord, it's just I just love this. I can't imagine my life without this place. And Father, I just pray for each of those that are here. Father, I pray for maybe there's members in this church that feel so disconnected right now. Father, I just pray that you'll open a window. I pray that we'll be more apt to look around to see those who need to feel like they need to belong and and help them with that process. But, Father, I pray most of all that they would take ownership of it, Father. And that they would find that place or niche where they can serve, where they can attend those small groups, Father. Father, if there's someone here today and maybe maybe they've never trusted you as our Lord and Savior, I pray today will be the day that they see the need, that they need to belong to something greater than themselves. They need Jesus. Father, I pray you'll make that clear to them. Father, if there's people here today that that, uh, believe that they need to be a part of a local church, and this may be the church you're calling them to, Father, I pray they'll be obedient to do what you're calling them to do. We thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. We're getting ready to sing a hymn of invitation. Myself and Jonathan will be here at the front. Just do what God's calling you to do. Would you do that? Thank you.